Welcome back, everybody, to the Magic Cast. This is Greg, and I've got Alex with me in a special one-on-one show, also known as Alex's favorite way to record a podcast. Alex, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> uh, I'm great, thank you. <laughs> All right, so we're a little shorthanded today uh, due to everybody's schedule kind of being uh, very busy. So we wanted to make sure we got something out. It's been a little bit since we've recorded. So good things have happened for the squad, and we want to make sure that we discuss it all uh, for all of our wonderful, awesome listeners. And, of course, we are coming right off of 2 nothing Derby win over Lazio yesterday. Uh, Alex, just the emotion, you know, forget about tactics and strategy and who did what, just the overall emotion coming out of that victory. What's What was the feelings like for you, especially looking back at how we've struggled against uh, – Lazio the last few games. I don't know if you can tell this story and still sound sane, but I actually dreamed about Roma uh, and the game. I never do that. I think I, it happened just once before that I actually had a, I wouldn't call it a nightmare, but that horrible <laughs> feeling and just wake up and, geez, did I just dream about Roma losing? And I had one of those the night before the game and um, uh, 9-2 against Lazio so uh, that was a crappy feeling to have in a dream <laughs> uh, and uh, I also had to go to work that day so um, and uh, I was constantly nervous uh, I've never been so nervous uh, before a derby I think it's been a while since I've been that I, I like a train wreck. It was even horrible. even worse than uh, heading into the Copa. Yeah, because at the Copa final, I was I had my the worst hangover ever. So <laughs> I was actually I was kind of saved by that horrible <laughs> <laughs> experience from the night before. Uh, so uh, this this time it was quite different because I actually believed. Um, we can do something and achieve something this season, and had a, had this. You know, I had a good feeling, but it all depended that we could beat Lazio and uh, they had the psychological advantage since they won. We haven't won against them for since, I don't know, over two years ago in the league. Uh, so when we won, it was a big, re- uh, the biggest relief I felt for a long time. So I guess that's the most important thing for me is the feeling of relief. It's an, it's a, Excellent uh, sense to call out. I'm sure a lot of fellow Romanista fans uh, were in the same bucket, kind of relieving that pressure. And there was all the talk: will you know, will this be uh, enough to exercise the demons of May 26th and and all things like that? And you know, there's that's probably going to always have a certain amount of sting to it. But you made some interesting points around. You had a little bit more belief going into this game. And I don't think that that belief comes from nowhere, right? I mean, clearly it's been a very good start to the season when you opponents aside. So if we just talk briefly and where that belief comes from and you look at start the season with a win away. Livorno, yeah. Yeah, at Livorno. Um, And then the win against Verona which had the gorgeous chip from Pjanic and Laic coming on for uh, his first action and 
and uh, lighting up with that uh, shot from outside the box as well, uh, in addition to the Mykon slash own goal. Solid play, hadn't conceded yet. And Verona is not... Uh, they've, gone, they've done some good work since they promoted, so it's not exactly... Uh, a bad team in, in well actually even if you look at uh, I think Livorno has won uh, a couple since uh, since the opening match um, so while initially it was you know they're playing pushover schedule to start the season which to a degree we'll always have to admit is you know somewhat true compared to who they could have played you know both both of those teams have kind of you know stepped up their game a little bit since uh, since Roma went through town Um but our teams that we normally would struggle against. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's the point that we want to make here is that there's something different, right? You mentioned like you just you felt a little bit more confident. Yes, you had your terrible nightmare and you were nervous <laughs> during the game, <laughs> but there's just a little bit something different going on here. And you know they carry it through against Parma, you know with the big win there, conceded their first goal, but um, which you know in and of itself went down early, came back. Uh, and one, of course, all of Roma's goals coming goals coming in the second half, which is an interesting stat um, so far this year. They're losing one to nothing in the first half, but uh, have a convincing lead in the second hmm. halves of game. So there's a reason for it. I mean, the team is just playing well. Garcia has them believing in themselves and believing in the concept uh, and and the things that he's trying to get the team to do. So that really takes us to the Lazio game, the derby match, and entering into it with, I, it's not just, my point is it's not just you that went into the game with those thoughts. The entire team went in with those thoughts, and I think that really helped bring about the end result, don't you? Yeah, you mean uh, in terms of being uh, having that good feeling or, or? Yeah, the players, the players believe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The way I look at it, We've chronicled many times on this podcast, many times over Twitter conversations, emails, whatever the case may be, and we're not alone, obviously, but the mental breakdowns that this team has been capable of in the past has always been their major downfall. And I'm not saying that they're completely beyond any one of these. And in fact, uh, Julian pointed this out in his uh, most recent column for uh, ESPN FC. But the fact that they seem so much stronger in that regard, and we had talked about even from a coaching perspective when they were looking at all the different coaches, like throw your tactics out the board. This team needs a leader. They need somebody that's going to command the players as people and make them understand that they can do the things that we all know that they're capable of and not hit these black spot blackouts. So I think it's the mental victory that they were over they were able to overcome that allowed for the physical victory on the pitch to happen and we it, it's not didn't happen just before this game it didn't happen just because of the three victories to start the season but it's it's a slowly building process that started with the hiring of garcia yeah. and again you know I, I feel bad julian's not here but i'll just keep touting all the good stuff he said <laughs> um, where he pointed out the fact that you know, when you look at the Mercato that Roma had, it's not the players necessarily that were the best move, but probably the hiring of Garcia and the right man for the right job. And and I think 
slowly but surely understanding that, yes, they need to understand his brand of football. And I do believe personally that that brand fits well with the players that we have. But I think it was his understanding that he's coming into a wounded animal and his first job was to take care of that wound. And then once that wound had healed, the team would be able to move forward and play. And I think addressing it that way and in the way that he does and and did is really kind of bearing the fruit that we're seeing out on the pitch, uh, you know, every week so far. And it's, it's really been, it's really been great to see. I, I think there's just a, a better understanding. You know, De Rossi, De Rossi talked about the difficulties, uh, and, and how they they suffer through a derby. Um, and he still referenced it this time, but there was still a, a much different way in which he talked about it. And he's, he's talked about it passionately after victories. So it's not just that, well, the last four or whatever, they hadn't come away with a win. It was, it was much more, it was much more different than that. And, and how different the mentality is of the players. And you bring in a Micon who has been there and done that a thousand times over. And you bring in a Benazia who is, you know, a very stoic guy in the back and, and is very calm and, uh, and is a leader of that back line. Uh, it's interesting that you bring up those two guys because, uh, besides Totti having an amazing game, obviously, but, did you see Maicon in the, in, I think it was the second half, when he sprinted back home? I mean, he was doing a Usain Bolt kind of, uh, sprinting. <laughs> it was amazing and it tells so much, uh, how important and how much these guys want to, to win. And, um, totally different with, uh, these kind of players. And Benati as well. I mean, wow. Uh, he was my man of the match until I realized that Totti was probably Again, his uh, usual self, so uh, which is totally awesome, by the way. But um, yep, I agree with you that Garcia is by far the most important acquisition we have done the last since the Americans took over, uh, by far. Uh, but I do want to give credit to Sabatini as well because look, absolutely, at the, just a couple of weeks ago he was. You know, people were shouting for his head, and I still believed in him because at I, at that point where we were selling Lamella, I thought we had a, done a great mercato, and when we sold him, I I actually believed we would, uh, you know, replace Lamella and not just sell him, and and we did with La Jajic, and I, I um, I must say he did a tremendous job as well. The interesting parts about Sabatini, especially as we were just talking about Maicon, is how he was looking at other players for that position leading, I guess it was leading into the, the, uh, Copa final. And then when they lost, the foresight of knowing like, okay, it's not just about bringing in more of the same or more quality talent. We need people that understand how to win. And if you've not played athletics late enough in your life you may not realize that that's an actual quality that some people have and conversely that some people don't and that's the ability to understand how to win and to to rise to the occasion or to not let difficulties impact you 
And a guy like Mike Hahn is one of those guys. And so once they, he knew that the difficult situation and looking at the players on the pitch as Lazio was celebrating that win and saying, these guys just don't have that. There's talent. There's absolute quality, but there's also a lot missing. We're missing that understanding of what it takes to win. It's not about effort. I mean, I don't think anyone's ever, and you, you pointed this out earlier. It's never been about effort. The guys care. But yeah. there's just that, that intangible of knowing how to win and getting everybody around you to kind of believe in that in the same way. And it starts with Sabatini. It's, it starts with Garcia and then it filters through the players. And then next thing you know, you've got guys that just believe in themselves. They believe in the system and we're four games in, you know, this isn't like we're two thirds of the way and we're, we're in first place here. We're four games in, so there's a certain amount of perspective that I think we still need to take. But at the same point in time, we're four games in with a feeling that we've not had four games in in a really long time. Yeah. So it's it just helps when you are two-thirds through the season and you look at the position that you're in and you realize the points you've dropped earlier in the year and how important they are. Not having dropped them as of yet is huge. Yeah. And, you know, I've got the game running now, as I mentioned to you, Alex, before we started recording. And it's still in the first half. And, uh, you know, as has been the case, Roma in the first half not quite have their feet yet. And, you know, I think back to the, the very first game, and they did not score in the first half there either, obviously. And it just, to me, seemed like it was there was a tremendous amount of patience but there was a, a method to the madness, so to speak. There was patience, but patience with a purpose. They were trying to figure out, you know, all right, we understand what we have to do. This is this is how we move the ball forward. This is how we do when we're defending. And but something happens, and then you know, I think somebody posted on Twitter, you know, I'd love to be in at a halftime speech for what Rudy Garcia tells these players because they come out every time and dominate the second half. And, uh, you know, I, I certainly would sign up to be on that list, but it's, I think it goes beyond more than, than just motivation. I just think there's an understanding of their understanding the way the team's taking the game to them and they have an understanding of what they have to do to take it back to them. Obviously, they'd like to recognize that sooner, but I mean, you can't argue with the results. No. They're not, they're not conceding and they're finding ways to win in the second half. And, and, uh, you know, you have, uh, guys like Totti and De Rossi in the squad and you always ask yourself, okay, and yet an, uh, a new coach, how will he cope with those kind of players? And, uh, you know, Totti is still amazing, just like last season. Um, but the big question mark was De Rossi and, and look at him. He's, he's finally playing. Like the old De Rossi, you know, the, the, the one we love. Uh, and, you know, I think we can, I, I think it's two reasons behind his resurrection. I think it's Gar Rudy Garcia. And I yep. also think it's Strutman. Uh, he wasn't that good against Lazio. He, he tweeted himself. Uh, I don't think he was bad, uh, neither, but, uh, right. But I think his role more or less has unleashed De Rossi, because he had uh, uh, an equal to himself in the midfield, who more or less 
emulate him in in every aspect of the game. Like defensively, they're both strong. Yeah, both have a good passing. Uh, you know, right foot or is he a lefty? He's he's left. He's a lefty. Right? Yeah, but he's a good passing foot and um, the presence in the midfield that he has. I think, I think he has more or less helped the Rossi as well, uh, just by being there. Uh, so um, perhaps I, I mean Benathia, you know, haven't done anything <laughs> uh, wrong so far, but I think the the acquisition of uh, Strutman might have been the most important one. Uh, so um, I, I mean, just a mix of players. And the coach, it just feels, so far at least, perfect. And so the question is more or less, what happens when they lose, you know? Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting, uh, you know, to see what happens. And, and, you know, there's a host of teams that are playing some really quality football right now in Syria. And, uh, you know, looking at uh, what Inter's done, certainly what Napoli has done. You know, Juventus still wears the crown, so... Um, and Milan, you know, you can never really count them out regardless of uh, what's going on with them. So, uh, there, there's going to be opportunities for them to, to drop points, but, um, yeah, so far, I, I think you really got to be happy with what, what's going on and your points about Strutman are very, very, uh, on point. Um, additionally, not, it's not just him. I think he's freed Pjanic as well. Yeah, and, it, and it's and it's the way that he has that the front six play. You know, there's no the the three midfielders. There's not a holding midfielder. There's not a uh, advanced or attacking midfielder, and there's not just a you know there's not a regista. It's just three guys that try to find open space and try to cover for one another and have the ability to create mismatches all all, all over the pitch. And in the meantime, cover for each other should the, they lose the uh, possession of the ball. And I think that that just plays so well into not only their strengths, but it also moves them away from the weakness. I mean, how many times last year did we have to sit there and scream, Pjanic is not a regista, <laughs> you know, mm. and and he's not. But. If he has to, if he's covering from somebody and he moves back and he, there was one game, I think it was the Parma game. I saw all three midfielders as the back player going to get the ball and work with the defense throughout the game. It wasn't just the one guy. So they cover for each other. They move around. I'll say that during the Lazio game, Strutman definitely hung back a lot more than anybody else. Uh, to help out the defense or to help out uh, fullbacks or who were surging forward or or to cover for a forward that uh, had had left some space um, but overall i just think the the value proposition that the midfield can provide to both offense and defense is such a huge paradigm shift from from the past and and their roles are no longer so strictly defined and they uh they are just allowed freedom to create imbalances over the pitch for the opposition and and as do the forwards which is uh you know another reason i think why they've been able to find some success yeah and uh yeah and that's all that's all garcia's plan you know that's that's his strategy and his thoughts of uh of playing yeah i actually feel this season have 
been much longer than just four games. <laughs> it seems that way. Oh, yeah. the Mercato is is always a long time too. So I I just remember all the guys on Twitter. I think it was Oren, the Juventus fan, Ajamba, yeah, who said that uh, Juventus started off with four victories in a row and then had the worst season in a very long time. So right. yeah, just yesterday, right? He said that yeah, I think. Yeah. So I guess um, we have to be, um, you know, realistic. It's it's a bit too early to draw any conclusions. But um, I will say this, and I did say this on, I don't know if it was on the last podcast I was on or on Twitter, but I have a, I have a very good feeling about this team. Uh, and um, and uh, Ross... Uh, our friend Ross, who has been here on the podcast, just asked me how well will we will we do this season, and I told him, well, much better than last season. I said, so you know, um, I don't know if that means Champions League, but it, I, 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 I think it means Europe. Yeah, and and that's fine. I don't think that that's uh, you know, a a lack of ambition by the team's part or by. Uh, Garcia's part who says, you know, he's often says top five, you know, he wants to make in the top five, which basically he's saying we, we want to play in Europe next year. And I think that definitely should be the goal. I mean, obviously it should be the goal when right now you shouldn't be talking about trying to win Scudetto. And that's his point. He's not saying that they're not going to try for it or that's, that's not what they're going to do or that they're trying to do when they go out on the pitch every week. You know, but if you're looking at a long-term goal and, you know, you want to finish in top five, and I think that's very realistic. And Scudetto talk, you know, happens so early and often in the media. You know, you win a game, you're, you're a prime contender to win. You lose a game and it's, uh, you know, you're going to be out of Europe. So, you know, he's right to not kind of get engaged in those conversations, as is any coach. Yeah. Um, but I don't think for one second that when he's talking with his players – that he's not telling them that they have every right to grab a hold of that trophy at the end of the year than any other team does. I mean, he's, he's provided the belief for these, for these guys and he's driving them and they are working very hard to execute every single thing that, you know, he's tasking them with. And I think a lot of these things are not just X's and O's stuff. I think it's just mentality. I think it's just a way of thinking and believing and, and how to, you know, kind of behave, so to speak, yeah. on the pitch and, and how to be. And and the results are there. I mean, they're just – I'm watching I'm, – again, I'm watching the game now. I just saw another interchange where different uh, – Pjanic one time up and down the pitch was was basically in what you would consider that holding or regista role. Um, and then the next time down it was it was De Rossi. So, again, you know, he, he just has them really kind of understanding – and I think, I think they really like it. You know, I mean, it's as, as silly as that sounds to say. I really think they like playing like this. I think it gives them a little bit more freedom, um, and, and a little bit more understanding of, you know, the things that they have to do in order to be successful. I mean, there's, we talked a little bit about Totti being a false nine or, or if, should he be out on the left wing and, and have a true number nine, Prima Punta up there and, yeah. And I just, I, I think 
you don't you don't get that in his system. You know, you don't need to be that. And, and we've we've talked about before how Garcia has said, you know, I'll take you know all midfielders out there. You know, he like that's what he's looking for. He's looking for people that can that can run, that that have good ball skills, and that are going to be able to create difficulties for the opposing team. So that's why I wasn't really overly concerned with at the end of the Mercato when we didn't kind of replace Osvaldo, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, and, and when I, when, uh, Destro returns, I think we're going to see him move to, to be, again, I'll say one of these wing players, but you know, the last two minutes of this game or five minutes of this game, Jervinho was the more central of all the attackers, yeah. at least forward attackers. Totti is floating around and somewhere in between on that typical Chequartista, you know, role in between midfield and, and the strikers. But that makes, but, that makes Totti very vital as well, at least as we're playing so well and he's in the center of a lot of the action. It's, it's, um, I'm fine with, with, with that. It's just, you yes. have to, you have to uh, ask yourself if, if Totti wasn't playing. That's, Exactly. You're, we're segueing, segueing perfectly into the next bit, which is the depth on this team. So far, we've been able to roll out the same lineup since day one, with the exception of a, you know, changing a winger or two up front or a, a forward up front. Yeah. And I think we have the good depth there, right? Because you can, it depends on what you're looking for between Florenzi, Gervinho, uh, Leitch. And Borriello. when Destro comes back, we'll have Destro and Borriello. Yeah. So those are all good options. I think the midfield will get Bradley back, and I also count Florenzi as a you know as a midfielder if we ever needed him to play there as well. Marquinho is Marquinho. Uh, both a, a winger and a right. Yep. And you've got who's apparently a high choice off the bench, Tadej. Well, I. I Probably use another midfield body um, when you start looking at suspensions piling up or injuries piling up. Uh, you know we're going to need some some good bodies. True, but but, my but but the question, yeah, the big question is that you brought up is all right. Totti goes down. Who, who does what? Yeah. <laughs> Rudy Garcia has to change the whole game plan, and I think we have. You know, with Pjanic presence in the midfield, we have the creativity. Um, I just think it would be a total different game if we bring Borriello uh, and his strength uh, in the air uh, and his presence up front with a quick, um, you know, with Florenzi, Gervinho and Ljajic on uh, two of those three. Uh, on either side of Borriello, for, for instance, since uh, Destro is out, we have to. I, I think we'll see more of Borriello when uh, Totti is, um, if Totti is injured or, or uh, you know, uh, substituted, and that's a totally different game because you know, um, I, I'm excited actually to see what can we bring with those kind of players without uh, that, you know, uh, free role. That Totti has, because what Totti has done the last games, it's world class. I mean, there's, uh, I, I, I understand why Prandelli gets the question, you know, will Totti 
do you think of him as a possible player to bring to the World Cup? Uh, he's been outstanding. Mm -hmm. So uh, he won't play 38 games. So I'm really excited to see what kind of team Roma is without Totti because what kind of changes will he do and will he find a formula that works from the start or does he need to experiment? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious and actually before I, I make this point I want to give a little bit of a props to Borriello who you know, awkward situation right at the end of the Mercato he's leaving, he's leaving all all summer he's leaving and yeah. and uh you know, can't really say exactly how happy he was during any of that time, but he has accepted the role that he's been given now. I mean, obviously he doesn't have much of a choice, but, you know, twice he's been denied a penalty. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, he just really seems to be supportive uh, yeah, yeah, of everything uh, that's going on. He's being, a, he's being a very good pro right now. I mean, he's uh, not... So I wanted to thank him, so to speak, for that. Absolutely, because... Yeah, he wanted to take the penalty, but not like Osvaldo, who would, or uh, right. Uh, you more or less could read in their faces that you know disappointment. But when Jajic scored, Borrello was there celebrating like no other. So yeah, yeah, he's he's one of the, you know, he's one of us, and uh, and you can clearly see he really want this and not just you know playing for himself he actually plays for the team and and that's a perhaps the most uh important thing with with, with all these players that they actually want the team to win it just feels like we said on this podcast it just feels right so let me ask you this then as we get off of uh Borrello a little bit um would you ever envision Leitch, Gervinho, and Florenzi as a possible front three? Uh, and Jajic as in a free role, perhaps that could work. I, I have a, I have a feeling, a strong one, that we will see that before the end of the season, perhaps multiple times. Yeah, I mean, then you're more or less not changing so much, and then it just. Ljajic is no Totti, that's for sure, but he's... No, he is not. He has different set of skills, so... Which, which you know, not necessarily a bad thing, right? No. He can actually, he can run, which is <laughs> one thing that uh, Checo, for the most part, uh, you know, can't do as well. Um, he did a great job, though, and this was late in the second half when he ran down with, uh, actually with, with Ljajic, and set him up, and then he wound up Gervinoing it into the third row. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I'm sorry. He, uh, he he grounded it. He did a worm burner that went wide of the post. But um, yeah. but uh, you know, I, I think it's interesting. I'll just say that I think we there's some interesting options and some interesting decisions that Garcia is going to eventually, based on injury or or suspension, is going to have to make. Um, now I was just gonna say, uh, you know, let's, let's get back into some of the, the details of the game and we can, we can start with, uh, the first goal. Justly, unjustly, however you want to look at it, nobody got more criticism Than for Balzaretti. the last parts of last year and then certainly the Copa final than Balzaretti. Exactly. Yeah. And wow. I mean, amazing. That was, 
I, I felt for the guy when he scored and you saw those tears. Is it? I mean, you know, if you had always, amazing. Greg, you would, you would feel warm and fuzzy at that time. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was yes. great, amazing. The best TV moment uh, for a long time in, uh, for me at least. It was, um, well deserved. I felt for the guy and, the, uh, yeah. The point I tried to make on, Twitter yesterday after the game when people were circulating the picture, you know, the multiple pictures uh, that existed of him crying. This is not a guy who has been at the club his entire life. Not a guy who's been here 10 years. Not a guy who's lived through the ups and downs. He's been here one year. This is only his second year. And Yes, there were some reasons for the emotion behind it, but, you know, with regards to how things went last year and the place that he was put in that, but you would almost envision anger upon scoring than the emotion and the joy and the release of the tears, which comes from more of a place of, uh, you know, of love, if you will, for what he is than than not and that's the thing that just strikes me and i tried to equate it to totis you know one one scudetto in in rome is worth 10 anywhere else and i think that that's kind of what it's like it's like when you when you play for this team in that city things are just different you know there's no there's no need to really kind of define it in any special way but it's just different and there's a and there's a, a weight to it for the good and the bad and so you see him score a goal like that and you see him running through the curva and you see him, you know, running by the fans and the rest of the team comes and joins him. And then De Rossi comes and, you know, we all know what an emotional mess he is. Yeah. And, and he was the reason he cried as well. Yeah. That he, he saw that, you know, I mean, he was already obviously in a very high emotional state. And then you see he sees in his teammates, he already knows, he already knows what happened and what that means but he sees what it what it the value that these people place on and he just he can't help but but feel that as well and and it's just awesome i mean it's just one of the things that that being a roma fan gives you it takes a lot of things from you (laughs) we all know that but this is one of the things that it gives you and it is just simply amazing and you know i i was just so thrilled for him more brilliance by totti had two the to be honest with you, the pass before that that led to the Balzaretti shot off the post was unbelievable. He put it behind the defense, in between the goalie, bends it and bends it on the ground, mind you, so that he can perfectly run onto it and smack it, and he, which he did. He squared it up perfectly, nails it off the post, catches Leitch by surprise, kind of hits off his shin, and they clear the ball. And then quick throw in, another cross by Totti. Glances off of, I think, a Gervinho's head. Yeah. And, and then just, I mean. But, I mean, it, it happened so quickly. I, I didn't, I don't think the camera really, uh, had finished off the replay from the first yeah. uh, chance. So it might have been a corner ball. Or I thought I read it was a corner, but. The, Either the, way, it was quickly taken. And yeah, and you didn't catch it before. Down. I actually thought I was seeing, uh, um, Replay. So it was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, I didn't remember this. <laughs> and then he scored. I was like, what? <laughs> so that was, uh, I was at work, so I, I was a bit distracted. But, uh, you know, when yeah, that dude. happened, when that, that happened, people were asking me if I watched porn at porn at work. <laughs> and I was like, that's awesome. No, <laughs> I'm not watching porn. It's much better than that. Yes, so, uh, exactly. One of, one of the things that I like most about that moment is when he hits the post, the look of despair on Balzaretti's face. And I wonder, I think that flood of down to the emotion of up of it actually going in the second time, how much that added into what he felt. Yeah. You know, because he was just, I mean, he's already feeling down. Yeah, he's feeling pretty good about the way the season's going. There's a lot of uh, good around all that. But it's almost like not again. You know, the look on his face was just not again. I can't believe it. You know, when is it, when is it going to go my way? I, yeah. I need to catch a break. And then Bam. right away, I mean, seconds later, and just that, that up and down or down and up, that he mm. went through was just amazing. And, you know, obviously we, we know what those types of goals mean to the fans, uh, you know, that are there in the Sud. And it was just, uh, it was fantastic. Mm. And then, you know, the, the rest of the game played out. One thing I want to point out, um, shortly before the second goal was, uh, the stop that Rossi made, um, where yeah. it looked like, Ederson was. They were close to, yeah, you know. to tying it. I mean, it looked like it was a, it was a little bit of a pinball play, right? Ball bounced around a little bit, wound up right on their guys, right on Ederson's, uh, leg and, and with a, a pretty much a clear shot, you know, into the, you know, to the goal and, and Rossi just, I mean, y- you can't miss that tackle by an <laughs> inch. If you miss it by an inch, it's a PK. No doubt about it. And he got it perfect. Not only did he stop the shot, he regained possession. Hmm. And you fast forward a little bit and, and, and you've got Laich with some fantastic ball control around the box and makes their defense miss where Ederson could not and earns the PK, puts his hands together, pleading to De Rossi for, to let him take it. And, you know, the, the rest is history. Yeah. Nicely slots away the, the PK. The official word was, Strutman was tired because he had played the entire game. And yeah, because he's, he's the first one after Totti. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Totti was already off. Totti was subbed off. So he wasn't an option. Strutman was up next. 94th minute. Guys exhausted. Regardless of what he said, I thought he played a fantastic defensive game. Yes. Um, to his, to his credit, you know, he's probably saying that I need to be more than just a defensive player. Um, but he was beat. De Rossi allowed uh, Laich to take it. Borriello did not say a word or complain. And as you mentioned, was probably the happiest guy after he scored it. <laughs> and, you know, worked to get to the end of the game. One, one last thing I want to I wanna talk to you about. The red card. Do you think it was a straight red? No. I, I didn't think so either. I think it's a play that we've seen a lot. Um but uh, but uh, I did talk with uh, a colleague and he's a referee and uh, interista and he told me that um, I don't know which 
who made the fall uh, on uh, and uh, I mean which Diaz. Lazio player and uh, no no not Diaz on Totti but right before uh, we had a oh. counter attack and uh, Garvinho was uh, tackled yes yes yeah I don't I think that was at Siena I don't remember who it was no but yes, I know what you're anyway talking. but my uh, it was my uh, I thought you know yellow it was like orange but I thought yellow was fine but my uh, friend told me you know if you read the rules uh like he has to do obviously it's a straight red he told me and um you know he he uh, uh it's difficult to argue against someone who, <laughs> that, who that read the rules bad. but it was like <laughs> yeah it's a straight red and i was like okay uh and when uh, diaz got a, a red card later on he said that needs to be a combination of you know the uh, uh, some sort of compensation for from before he thought. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I, I mean, the th- I think the difference to me, and I don't remember specifically, but it it looked like Gervinho gets around that player. They still had some guys that he would have had to have gone through, which is why it was just a yellow. Um, whereas what they're saying was with the Diaz Totti play, there was nobody. Once Totti had gotten around him, he would have been in on goal, which camera angles being what they were, I couldn't see that that was the case. Um, so that was the, the main differentiator between the uh, the two fouls as to perhaps why one was yellow, one was red. Um, I still thought it was a little bit harsh. I, I, I thought, and the only reason why I didn't think it was red is I, I thought there actually was somebody that still, that Tolti would have had to have uh, worked around or with to get a shot in on goal or a scoring chance on goal. So we'll, uh, you know, I mean, it's called, obviously can't do anything about that now. Um, yeah, I mean, but, uh, we'll certainly take it. Listen, how many games in a row have we been on the receiving end of the red against Lazio? There's been a lot. Yeah. Um, I think we've pretty much nailed all the uh, emotion and pageantry of Roma's season thus far. Why don't we move to questions as we're getting up here in minutes? All right, so we're going to take some Twitter questions now after resolving some technical uh, issues. And thank you all for everybody that submitted, and thank you to uh, Brigantine72, Glenn Ray David, as well as Antonius Jody, who reminded us to make sure that we recorded, and here we are recording. So uh, let's get to the first question which was from Josh at Disguised Pass. Woo-hoo. <laughs> um, basically saying uh, Balzaretti's goal was superb, but do you think Dodo is capable of replacing him? Alex, do you want to take first stab? Uh, Dodo replacing Balzaretti? Yes. Um, well, we haven't seen Dodo this season, so uh, if it's the same Dodo we saw last, season with that you know uh, glimpse of something great but overall pretty average I don't think he's ready for that kind of um, uh, to be the regular on the left back uh, unfortunately I am going no go ahead I'm sorry no go ahead I say I'm, I'm going to agree with you I don't think he's quite there yet 
I think he's great going forward as good pace, but he reminds me a lot of Lamella in the sense that the closer he gets to the point where he needs to do the most important part is when he loses the ball. Um, now, the big difference between those two, he now has to actually run all the way back and play defense where he's not exactly great. So uh, I, I think there's a lot of comfort and security right now in Balzaretti, so um, maybe we'll see him go out in the weekday game or maybe we'll see him on Sunday uh, to give Balzaretti a spell. Uh, but uh, I don't necessarily think he's quite ready yet. No. But, uh, the potential is there, obviously. Definitely. Definitely potential is there. He just needs to. I mean, he's young. He's a young kid. And that's fine. Let him uh, let him learn, you know, watching uh, Balzaretti and Maicon. I mean, those are, you know, guys who at, at points in their career have been two of the best on the left and right. So I think it was Marquinhos who said that Dodo was a better player than him. Um, I don't know if I can, <laughs> if I believe him, but uh, it's... I think, uh, you know, he may have been, maybe has more skill, like overall skills, yeah. soccer skills, but... Um, he, he's got a long way to go to positionally become uh, much more effective. Yeah. All right, next question from Josh again. Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, Benatia, but he's asking, what is our assessment of the pairing Benatia and Castan, um, only conceding one goal so far? And and I just, you know, we, we talked about Benatia. I think Castan is exactly what he was last year. Uh, he's just solid. <laughs> doesn't make too many mistakes, occasionally will be a little bit too aggressive outside of the box committing fouls. Um, but I think uh, together they're a very strong central pair, maybe not the fastest, but very, very strong and very, very capable. And very, yeah, comfortable on the ball. I mean, uh, very capable pair. So um, I think everyone sees that and everyone is afraid of what kind of partnership can can we have with uh, when Burdisso is the only option coming yeah, from the bench? That, that's that's it's almost like the Totti question, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is great as is, but what happens when first player X is not there? And the the really the only two or the the main places when we have that is when you remove Totti from the front line and when you move one of those two from the center back. So, interesting thing that we want to keep track of uh, as the season goes on. Yeah. Um, and now David Tenenbaum asks, uh, thoughts on the next month of fixtures for Roma? Uh, Samp and uh, Bologna, right? On And then... Inter those are the th and then Napoli. Yeah, those are the two easy ones that he quotes. And, uh, and then Inter and Napoli following that, to which, of course, Daniel Lissoni, who... We want to welcome him aboard to the Roma Journal, the Magicast family, and doing a fantastic job. Uh, who says so? Three easy ones in Napoli. Uh, <laughs> clearly, uh, a funny remark. Inter has been very, very, very respectful this year, um, and will be a challenge, no doubt. Um, so that's our month ahead. Uh, I think we got to win the two that we have to win. And then any combination of points, I think, from Inter and Napoli will be acceptable. But it starts with the first two. You got to win those two. Yeah, Bologna at home, we should win. Sampdoria away is always, you know, it's one of those games you expect us to struggle. Uh, but we m look more alike the team we used to be. Um, but it's a difficult match. So I and I, I guess we are always been 
good at uh, in Giuseppe Meazza and uh, against Inter. So, um, I mean, I don't expect six points from from the next two games. I ho- I'm hoping for it, but I actually believe we are more capable of, I don't know, beating Napoli at home. Uh, I'm saying this because I will be there, so I'm confident that the home games will be our strength. And uh, the away games, you know, I'm... I'm we have won two away games already, and that's quite impressive. But I don't expect us to keep that that record uh, 100% uh, much longer. So um, All right. we'll see. Very good. All right, this is another one we kind of touched on a little bit. What will Florenzi's position be once Destro will be back in the squad? This is from uh, Vincent979. Uh, a winger or one of the midfielders, what do we think? And... I just, I personally don't think that his position is going to be, you know, oh, Destro's back, so you're moving back to midfield. I think he's just going to be a guy that's going to be able to play any role at any time based on what the rest of the team's needs are. So um, it may not be the answer you're looking for, but I, I just think he's going to be available to Garcia's disposal and and whatever, you know, Rudy feels he needs out of uh, uh, Ale at the time will be how he uses him. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, um, I don't think Destro is ready to to be a be a, that impact we want him to be. Uh, so maybe not before uh, New Year, perhaps. Uh, so I expect Florenzi to keep his position, and I expect Destro to more or less be that first or second substitute. Uh, Info Totti perhaps or uh, Info Florenzi, um, but this guy has, uh, you know, he haven't played preseason. He's been injured a lot, so I think yep. it's important to uh, to bring him uh, in and not bring that too much pressure on him. I mean, the guy, the guy, like I said, he haven't played for a long time, so. Um, not, not, not to mention, he looked about 12 yesterday with a clean-shaven face. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't. I, I don't think the the guy who was commentating the game here in, in Norway. I actually, uh, it's a friend of mine actually, but I don't think he spotted him on the stands when they, he didn't. He didn't realize that was him. No, I don't think so. <laughs> awesome. So, All right, so let's move to our next question from Joe. Hello, Joe. Yes. Is foreign ownership beneficial to Calcio? Will it give the sport greater transparency and lead to clubs attracting the best players? Why don't you take that one first? Oh, well, you're the American, Greg. Well, um, it does say foreign <laughs> ownership, not American ownership. Yeah, okay, then. Uh, but that's fine. I will take it first because that's the kind of guy that I am. Uh, well, yeah, well, I just want to add, is this also <laughs> including Inter now that they are? Yeah, more I, I think that's, I think that's part of what sparked the question was it's not, first it was Roma, now Inter, you know, is, is this going to be beneficial is probably, is the, yeah, impetus here. Yeah, but, go, go ahead. <laughs> um, I, I don't think it's necessarily where the owners are from. I think it's the approach that they take to the job. And I think what is wrong with Calcio in a lot of places is just the older mindset of these old long-standing owners. 
So looking at the job the uh, of Romer's ownership team, current ownership team, I think that they're you know finally taking a business approach to it. They're doing things that the club should have been doing for a long time. I know a lot of people don't like them, and I know a lot of people don't like the way that they've gone about doing what they're doing. But what they're doing is incredibly sound business decisions, and that doesn't scream passion, which is very much what the Romans are born and bred with. But at the end of the day, everything is is tied together, and the success is coming because of some of these intelligent decisions they've made. So I think what will be beneficial to Calcio is ownership teams, regardless of whether they're homegrown or foreign, need to rethink the business side of things. Mm. That's that's what I would say. It's just that in the most extreme cases, people seem a bit blinded. And, uh, you know, they have... I think the Americans, Palotta uh, and his friends, have come under a bit too much criticism a bit too soon, in my opinion. Oh, without, without question. Without so question. Um, I'm actually... Backing them up, and you know, I, 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 they have been important for the uh, the existence of this club in Serie A. Yep. So uh, if you have to hand it that to them, and uh, and understand that, yeah, they are Americans. They actually want to make uh, Roma a better club, but <laughs> not in terms of blowing their own money. You know, wasting them like. Uh, like uh, the guys from Qatar, it's totally different. It's business, yep. and they want to make money on Roma. So um, I, yeah. I'm fine with the with the model Roma has. I'm fine with the Americans. I'm I, I'm a bit more. I wonder how Inter will turn out though, because it's it's is it from India or Indonesia? Yeah, Indonesia. Okay, so it will be exciting to see. But you know, Italy is not the most stable economy in at the moment so i'm sure they welcome any foreign money so um yep that's that at least all right last question again from uh, vincent 979 who says good to have a regular starting 11 but how important will it be to include Torcidas, Toto, Bordiso, Bradley, Marquinho, etc in the rotation and you know we talked about uh, the depth as an issue um, when it kind of comes to all right, what happens when Totti is out or or the some of these other players and and that's that's only one side of it. And this question brings up the, a really good point of you know especially I, I think of a guy like Torosidis on on Roma Journal. We had the you know the, the that questionnaire that we filled out and I think I I didn't have him like as a flop, but a guy who I thought would struggle this season was going to be Torosidis because he's not going to get the playing time that he's used to. Um, with, uh, you know, we were anticipating Mykon coming back to full strength and, and full form, and he, and he has so far. Again, four games, not a huge sample size. But these guys, you know, I, I think Bradley's going to pretty much always be the second-half midfield sub, um, yeah. you know, and then getting the occasional spot start when you've got an injury or a suspension. I'm not as worried about him. Um, I'm not worried about as well, I think, will be... Um like the late sub in in uh, some games and you yeah, Berdiso I'm not worried about just because you know he's Berdiso he's older and you know has a less of a stake to to claim here in the game at this point. 
Um, Dodo definitely needs to play. He needs some time. Um, but I don't know that I'm putting him in in a game that's close. You know, I mean, <laughs> if, if we're behind, yeah, maybe you put him in to, to try and create some more problems offensively going forward. But um, if it's, let's say, a, a tie game or, or Roma is up late in the game, uh, and, and Balzaretti has to come out. Uh, I'll put Torosidis on the left flank before I will Dodo. Yeah. So it is important to answer the question. It is important to get these guys time. Um, and I think suspensions due to accumulation or whatever reason, uh, and injuries will create starting opportunities for them. Um, and uh, so we'll have to see what happens when they're given the opportunity, and that, of course, could create more opportunities. I think uh, it was Julian and Adam Digby uh, who discussed this quite a while ago, um, the importance of having players. At that time, it was Greco they were talking about because he was a squad player and he was happy with uh, with the role of being the role, right. you yeah. know, a squad player, a rotation player. So, yeah, it's very important to have players that, you know, is satisfied by the fact they're not, you know, perhaps the starters, but they have an uh, important role and, um, and, uh, instead of being, uh, annoyed, uh, or creating that kind of um, bad atmos- atmosphere in the locker room. So, my question is if those players mentioned are everyone happy with the current, you know, uh, lineup? I mean, is Marquinho, for instance, who was linked to Juventus, is he happy to play second fiddle? Um, you know, Marquinho, I don't necessarily think he's terribly unhappy. I mean, he, he seems, you know, to kind of get a, have a good grip on things and, I think he knows he's going to get some opportunities in games. That being said, he hasn't exactly been an like amazing player for us. No. So it's not like he's been an all-star, so to speak, and and we're benching him. Now he's been a serviceable off the bench guy, but I, there's been plenty of serviceable off the bench guys. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I haven't really seen him stand out, be a standout player. So I think he may realize that, of course, he would love to play more. But he's probably playing as much as his performances have indicated. Yeah. Then it comes down to the young guys. You know, would Romagnoli be served better playing, you know, playing somewhere else? Would Yedvai be playing somewhere else or be served better if he was getting some more playing time? And, and so it's, it's those guys that you worry about and Dodo, those young kids. Like, are you, where are you, what are you doing to their development at present? And, and, uh, you know, are you going to be able to effectively get them the playing time they need so that at the end of the year, when you're bringing everybody back in house, you've got an improved player. Mm. All right. All right. Well, that is, that's it for our questions. I want to thank everybody that sent them in and, and thank, of course, all our listeners like our Facebook page and, and, uh, follow us on Twitter and do all those crazy social media things that you should be doing for us. Spread the gospel of the Magicast. And, uh, well, that's it. That's all I got, Alex. What do you got? Anything else? Well, uh, what does the fox say, Greg? Uh, I don't know. I haven't listened to the damn song yet. <laughs> you should. It's uh, Norwegian. It's, uh, we're proud of that shit. So, uh, 
I'll, I'll, I'll just next time I'm hanging out with my boy uh, John Onorisa, I'll have him play it for me. All right. Because you know we're we're super tight. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks, Greg. Grazie, 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 Roma. Ciao. Ciao.